Hi, my name is Jason Adriani, and welcome to the Blade in Chats, your skating chat based. In this podcast, we are talking with bladers and bladies from all over the world, united by a single passion, blading. Episode 28, Dominic Bruce. All right, everything is like right now. We are able to start. Let me fix the phone right there. So happy about this one. Let's wait for Dominic to be connected. Yo! Yo, what's up? <laughs> Finally, we made it. Finally, after uh, missing it last time. Yeah, no problem, bro. Oh, dude, look at that too easy cat, man. Amazing cat. Shout yeah. out, Greg. Represent. Long Beach, Copenhagen. <laughs> <laughs> so. I keep on my balcony. Really? I chilling. Your, uh, dressing gown for you. Oh, thank you so much. I do really appreciate it, brother. What's going on? How's life? I mean, here, stick, stuck at home. What about you? To be honest, I would be telling a lie if I said I hadn't been out skating because, I mean, I, ha- I have been out <laughs> skating. But uh, I just came back from a session, actually. i just been skating with uh, David and a few friends here. Freddie oh, great. And my roommate also skates. So we're, we're keeping social distancing happy. Still, you know, we're... We're not giving each other a uh, slap tap. We're just, you know, just elbows. <laughs> but yeah, way, you, you guys went wrong. Got a little tan, you know. <laughs> Great, but like, uh, what is the um, what did the government says in Denmark? Like, uh, are they like um, saying to the people to stay at home as much as possible, or like they are telling yes, you so guys, hey? Right now in Denmark, we're five weeks deep into the lockdown. Mm-hmm. And it kind of progressed slowly to begin with. It was just schools closed. And then it was like, you know, hairdressers and um, tattoo shops and stuff like that until it was pretty much everything except from takeaway restaurants were still allowed to be open. And the same mm-hmm. with supermarkets, but you're only a few people at a time in those places. Um, and now this is Denmark's actually one of the countries that's come around quickest in the sense that now they're already putting people back to school, but in small numbers. I think they're allowing the kids to, I mean, they don't want the kids to get it, but, you know, some amount of the population has to kind of get it because then there's this uh, herd herd immunity. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I've been off work for five weeks. Uh, Wow. I got paid for only two of them because I'm like substitute work, you know, so I only get I only get uh, paid when I work. Um, Oh, really? Yeah. And I and I covered for a guy who just had a kid for two weeks, but then after that I haven't been paid. So I hope I now that the schools are going back, hopefully I can work in the next few weeks. But like, isn't it the the Danish government help you guys or something like that within some uh, checks or anything like that? There there could be the possibility of like uh, unemployment money for some people, and like for example, mm-hmm. students students are doing work from home, and they're getting paid their this in Denmark. You know, you get paid to study because of the crazy country it is, you get this thing called SU, which is money from the government for you to study. Instead of you having to pay the government, it's free education. 
and then you get money to study. No and, way. But I'm, I'm not a student, so I, I'm not getting SU. And I don't actually know because I'm an immigrant to Denmark because it's not okay. my home country. I don't know if I can get unemployment money. I actually have to look into that because I know that there's something called an A CAFA here. And it's a little bit like a union. And if you pay into it a certain amount of time, then when you're not working, then you get paid. It's kind of like mm -hmm. for freelance artists and filmmakers and whatever. Um, oh, great. But for in my situation, I got paid for the first two weeks. And then I got actually I was lucky because this timing is when you get your holiday money from the last year. So oh. I just got like I just got enough money to survive for a little bit with holiday oh. money. That was nice. Luckily. Awesome. Awesome. Very luckily. And I live cheap. I mean, I try to live as cheap as possible because uh, <laughs> then I can save up my, my money for when opportunities arise, like blade trips. And then when I go on those, I can just let the cash fly. <laughs> <laughs> Buff daddy style. <laughs> Boss life. Yes, please. <laughs> so like, uh, listen, like, and which are the differences between like Copenhagen and, and, and Scotland in general? General differences. I'm still figuring those out, actually. It's, that's uh, <laughs> still part of my day-to-day -day life. Is, uh, I don't know if I've got the total answer yet. Maybe we'll have to do one of these in five years. But uh, hoping that I'm still here. But, mm -hmm. I mean, the general differences would be... I'd say the upbringing, the raising of children in Denmark is much different. And obviously the way that uh, society or a country raises its children generally changes the way the people interact in that society as they grow up and i think that for example if i want to relate it to the times in corona the way that denmark has been like respectful of that for, a, for like okay there's not not everyone's respecting it but generally i felt like it was respected quite well and i think there is kind of i feel like people trust the government in denmark more than in other countries there's a there's a lot of countries where trust for the government is is really doesn't exist it's not there take a country like america for example and you have a tr president like donald trump it's kind of hard to foster any trust about <laughs> that that president and that government but in in denmark the way this is i think people feel like they have a voice and they have the ability to shape democracy or whatever wow that's amazing uh that's not for i, I can't say i can't say i speak for everyone because for sure there's resistances and there's people who don't agree with the way denmark deals with many things like immigration and these sorts of things because Denmark still has um you know camps for refugees Denmark there's there's often graffiti in the streets that says close the camps because a lot of people don't agree with the holding of refugees in these camps because they're not given the proper you know living conditions that could provide mm -hmm. sort of comfort or safety when you've come from a country that maybe was with a war or maybe you're a sexual refugee because you're because of your sexuality and your and the the way that your country views that you had to run away or whatever but uh so there but generally the differences between i don't know if i'm actually answering the question but the differences between scotland and denmark i would say would very much be in the way we raise children that would be quite a one i would highlight another one would be in the balance between work life and free time and the mm -hmm. way that the the way that the sort of the relationship the general population have to work life and free time also yeah, and edu like education actually education is a big difference because in scotland we have free education whereas you don't in england even though we're all part of the uk and uh, in denmark you go to high school 
until you're around 19, 20 years old. So my girlfriend, she finished, um, Clara, she finished um, high school or our equivalent to high school um, when she was 20. And I finished when I was just when I was 15, just before I turned 16. <laughs> so, I mean, I dropped out. I didn't go for the whole thing, but still, it just it's just a funny difference there. And then people generally study until they're in their late 20s or early 30s here. And that's that's seen as normal. Whereas I know for, from where I'm from in Scotland, if somebody was still studying when they were 30, you would think that they were just using it as an excuse to, to, not, <laughs> to not get on with life. And, uh, you, know, you know, like you staying in academia, you don't stay in academia that long in, in the UK unless you're going to become an academic and work in a university and such. It's the same thing here in Italy, like uh, the people who are like staying the most like um, until like their 30s or something like that in, in, in school, we are thinking that like they are staying there just to waste their time or just because they don't yeah, want to go work or something hide, like hide that. Hide in the books or something. <laughs> exactly. And I, that's, like, a belief, that's not a belief I hold. I don't, I don't think that about everyone who goes to university, but I know that there is a general stigma towards someone who would attend stigma. university. So. <laughs> And here, I think people would, uh, if you said you were still studying, people would be like, oh, great. You know, it would, it would be received so differently. And, uh, ah, man, it's, I could really go into the differences. I feel like it would take me some time. But there's definitely so many differences to pick at. They're very subtle ones and also larger ones that are way more obvious. Um, and work-wise, like, um, is, it the, is, it, is it hard to find a job in Denmark? Well, I was quite fortunate and lucky because when I moved to Denmark, my girlfriend was working in this, what's called the Fritters Club, which is what um, would be translated to like an after school club. And she was working there and um, she actually has a family relative who's working there too. And they helped me out with getting my visa because in order to get a visa, you have to show that you have a job. Okay. And you have to have found a job and a way to get into the country. So I was able to use that to help me get in there and get my temporary what's called a cpr number which is your temporary work permit so that's okay. what i have here in denmark i have a working permit and as as somebody from european the european union i can be in denmark if i want to but i can't earn money uh, legally unless i have this work permit okay okay and yeah i got helped out and i still work at the same place that i started working at when i moved here which is this after school club um, during my time here, before I was able to get the official residency, I was doing like cash in hand work, you know, un untaxed money, like working for a, sta a company that helps put stages up. Okay. You know, for concerts and stuff. And then I've worked in a bar before just to get some extra cash. And I do skate lessons also here privately. Um, and how, are you still doing it, those uh, skate classes? Yeah, I, I paused it during Corona because I, I think it would be seen as irresponsible because of the, little, the groups I have. But yeah, I'm still doing that and I'm still enjoying it. Awesome, awesome. And like, where are you bringing to the kids, um, like, where are you bringing those kids skating? In skate parks in general or like also in the streets to skate some ledges and stuff like that? It changes and it becomes... I feel it becomes harder and harder to keep their attention because as they get better, I want to be able to stimulate that that um, growth in new ways with different spots and stuff. And sometimes out of necessity, we have this place called Game, which is just like a basketball street sports space. And mm -hmm. we have some ramps in there. We can move around like grind boxes and stuff. Um, other times we go to, because, you know, it's free to go there for them. 
they just have to sign up for a year and that's like 30 euros for the whole year and then then they don't have to pay every time you know um awesome and then sometimes we go to like a skate park you have to pay to go into but i don't really like to do that so much because they're paying me to have the lesson so i don't want them to have to pay to go into the skate park on top of that you know um, but then when the good weather comes, like it is now, the sun started to arrive, then after Corona, I'm definitely going to be taking them street skating because that's where I find most joy. And it's obviously the fact that it's free is nice. And uh, Yeah, I remember know, the video that you post last year of this kid doing soul grind on those uh, red down rails in front of the swimming pool. Yeah, yeah. Man, th that was pretty yeah. cool, huh? That was their first handrail. And then after that, that was like last year around this time. And that was quite an incredible period to watch because um, those two just go at each other, you know? And uh, it's August and Yebe. That's their names, August and Yebe. And okay. they really uh, hype each other up and it's like a friendly competition. But, you know, they were giving each other slap tap at the top of the rail. And once one of them did it, both of them did it. And then then they, they got that feeling and they, they started just being like, let's go to rails. I want to go to rails. And so I took oh, them to like five, five different five different rails and they soul grind like five different rails. You maybe seen the other video where they also grind this kind of like half moon rail under yeah. the that's so cool and um, <laughs> it was inspiring to watch them get their first hand rails. Damn, that's amazing. That's pretty cool. Listen, uh, about yeah, hi Queenie. About the about Scotland, about Queen as well. Um yesterday I was talking with, with Chaz. And we chat a little bit about um, um, the origin of the blading scene up there in Scotland, which is like uh, unbelievable. Like uh, I've seen this video called uh, Hidden Forces. And yes. they were like, the scene back then was crazy. Like crazy. Like, dude, a, like a young, a young Ollie Short. Exactly. Young Ollie Short with baggy clothes, Chris Doty, Alan Dick, and uh, Chaz, of course, and stuff like that. And like, you know, Alan Dick, that's your... so sick. Alan was yeah. also, you know, Alan was more recently shown in like the Vine Street video because he Vine moved Street. to Australia. But I remember him from a clip, uh, clip one and clip two. He was featured with some clips in uh, clip one and clip two. Alan Dick is probably the biggest legend from where I'm from in Scotland because I, I, from Aberdeen. Really, I wasn't really around to meet him. He was kind of, uh, he'd already moved to Australia by the time I was hanging out with the local scene in Aberdeen. But he's, he's got an enigma, you know, he's the sort of person in Aberdeen that you walk the spots and there's always an Alan, somebody's like, Alan did sweat dance on this, or Alan did Trumazoo on this, and or Alan fakey backflip this stair set. <laughs> and uh, I actually do have one memory of Alan, and, or two even. And uh, one time I rocked up to a skate park that's uh, in between where I live in Aberdeen, and he was just there hanging out, spray painting and skating. And I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't go over and speak to them because I was a little bit starstruck. And then uh, another time, I remember there was like a competition and held in Aberdeen that we called, I think it was the Razors Highland Roll. It was like a Razors uh, skate comp. And I was young at the time, but I remember Alan doing a fakey backflip down the bank. Oh my goodness. And he used to have these Salomons with shadow soul plates on them, I'm pretty sure. He had these modded skates that I'd never seen before. And, uh, but yeah, he, so I'm from the Northeast of Scotland and I'd say Alan Dick holds one of the biggest legacies there. But I also grew up skating with guys like uh, Graham Forbes, who you know, Gammy, and Lewis Bowden, Steve Watt, um, Stu. Yeah, the, the list goes on, and I don't want to. I don't want to miss people's names out, so I don't want to start naming names. But they know. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> true, true, definitely, and they're all like incredible skater, and like yeah. But 
with that being said, like, what does it mean to you to like, you know, growing up within like all of these people like uh, uh, skating before you and like creating this 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 hype on, on Scotland? Because yeah, just like we were saying, Alan Dick was like doing fake backflip down the stairs. Uh, Chris Doty was doing like a big down rail in with United Topsail or Gammy um, Graham is like doing disaster truth up and stuff like. How was like the feeling for you? to like growing up in this uh, scene. So Chris Doughty, he's another legend from Scotland because he obviously used to film with uh, Ollie a lot and was one of the UK legends. But I also missed his sort of period of skating and I'm kind of glad I did because I used to hear that he used to like, when he was out filming with somebody, he would like take them to the most heavy spot and then just like <laughs> break you down to do the spot. The person's almost in tears. You know, I mean... I know that there's a general thing in the Scot. I remember something in the Scottish skate community growing up is that kind of feeling that if you didn't do a trick, you were a pussy or you were like gay or something, you know, <laughs> and it was that kind of like so ridiculous. But at the same time, like my the influence that the place I the place I grew up and the influence that I had in my skating was definitely like trick selections and stuff like that. Like I'm from a small town called Stonehaven, which is 20 minutes from Aberdeen. And there was maybe two or three people rollerblading there when I grew up. And there was a, I grew up with a friend skating called Aaron. And then there was a guy at my school called Jamie. And they were around my age. But I pretty much grew up in the skate park. I grew up in Transition Extreme. I've got a few edits from there when I was younger. Um, you maybe have seen, know the one. But I, I used to get dropped off there every single day. I mean, I, I don't have anything to show from school because all I focused on was blading when I was younger. I just... <laughs> I, I don't have any good grades because I just used to I used to just be waiting to the moment I got out of school to go straight to transition and just let all my thoughts out and just forget about even going to school and just skating and it would be with people my age and also these older guys would show up and I would always be quite like adm admire them and then I got to an age of like 15 14 actually and I remember one day Lewis and Gammy came to that skate park and I wasn't allowed to go street skating. My mom and dad told me, stay at the skate park and I'll pick you up later because it was like a safe place to be, you know? And Lewis, Lewis and I said, come on. And they like uh, snuck me out of the skate park and I told them, but you have to take me home for four because I could just see it going wrong. And they took me out and we filmed some street clips. I remember they took me to this gap and I just, I was so scared to get hurt because then I would phone my parents and tell them that I was street skating, you know? But uh, it went well. And from there on, I started the session with them and go out on some street sessions more and I, did my first handrail, I think, when I was 15 in their, in their presence. And, oh, uh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm very grateful to have grown up skating with the people I grew up skating with. And they've, you know, I still have a, still have a great appreciation for their skating and skating with them. So when it's so yeah. nice to see them. Now that I live in Denmark, I don't get to see them so often, but it's so nice to see them in at Winter Clash or when I go home and have a little session and just touch back in with them. Great. And yeah, so talking talking about that, we do have like a couple of questions. One is like um, from the Scottish scene. Uh, Mark is asking, favorite ever Scottish blader? That's a tough one, I would Scottish say. Blader. Favorite ever Scottish blader? That's a hard one. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> Also, just because I can't really think of them all. <laughs> and I feel like I can't say one of my friends. I feel like I have to say somebody who's not one of my friends. <laughs> just buy it. Uh, Dave Thomas was an incredible skater style-wise. Dave Thomas was another guy out of Aberdeen, and he, 
he did like a 1080 way back, like in 2000 or something. He did a 1080 on a quarter pipe. Like he was, there's a clip oh, you yeah. can find on YouTube that's him doing a 1080. I, I've seen it. The, the video's called, um, what's it called? Dude, I've seen it this morning because Bruce, a guy. Um, yeah, Bruce Finley. Just, Bruce Finley. Uh, exactly. And he was the same guy on the Hidden Forces who 180, that's the stairs and his arm. Get like uh yeah, uh, yeah I don't know what happened. Like, that's the worst fall when he gets caught up in the rail. Oh, dude, dude, I was so scared when I when, when I saw that clip. Was like, no way. Okay, I think so Dave Thomas is one of my favorite skaters. I, um, I think for what Alan Dick achieved in Scotland and the 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 kind of um, you could say the fingerprints and the the the, the print he left on the local scene and. Obviously, because mm -hmm. I would walk around, I would walk around Aberdeen and come to spots, and I would know what he's done there. It, it created a certain sort of respect for his skating. Quinny, Quinny, of course, I'm like biased there because he's one of my great friends. But like, Quinny is an incredible skater. Like, and um, I mean, you can't deny, obviously, the the sort of every, the one everyone knows, Chaz. You can't deny the, the sort of technical ability Chaz has and what he's done for skating and putting Scotland on the map in terms of like rollerblading. Um, he was the very first Scottish to have received like uh, a pro model, right? Did he? That's probably true. I've not done my homework. I was at the skate park. <laughs> so, hey, Bruce is here. And um, yeah. we have like... We have another question for Joy from Joy Egan. He says, um, "What's your best achievement in skating so far?" That's another tough one, huh? Meeting my girlfriend. Oh, awesome! That's sweet. <laughs> Where did you meet her? Where did you meet Clara? Ross Gilda Festival. Great, great. That's pretty sweet from you. And how was it? Like, I never been to Ross Gilda. Even if like Yo-Yo invited me like two or three times. I, I never get the chance to to go there. Like, how was the how was the energy of the of the Roskilde? I don't know how was skating within like the crowd of thousands of people watching you skating. Just to say, uh, just to say, uh, Roskilde Corona related Roskilde thing. It's for the first first time since 1971. It isn't happening this year. That's crazy. Damn. But I've I've been going since 2014. I first went there while on the Haitian Resurrection tour with those. Mm -hmm. Crazy folks. <laughs> uh, I was 16 at the time, and that was like my first ever festival. Like 150,000 people in attendance my for goodness. seven days long. Damn. That that stretched that stretched my mind. My mind got pulled open a little bit. <laughs> uh, at the time, it's funny, you know. There's these Facebook memories you get, you know, like on uh, on the, one day I clicked on one and I'd wrote. Wow, Roskilde is amazing. So many babes. I can't believe I wrote that. It's <laughs> Sixteen-year-old me was just loving it. Um, but obviously, they've got a host of musicians that are just like all the ones you want to see. And there's lots of different like small bands and small stages that that have some music you wouldn't usually hear. But just the the whole energy there is really special, and it's it's. I've never actually, I've only been to one other festival called Heartland in Denmark, and it's like for three days, and it's the only thing I have to compare, but the fact that Roskilde is like nine nights, actually, by the time you stay over, Mama. it's like a week living in a tent at this festival is, is quite, you, you can't really find another thing like it. I mean, Looks you, probably, like... you probably could, but I've not found another thing like it, and it's... No, no, man, the energy that can fit it through the videos is amazing. 
My mom just my mom just tried to face. I got you. You have lost the contact with with Dom. It fucked up because my mom Wait. tried to FaceTime me. I hope she doesn't do it again. <laughs> oh my God. Dude, I don't want to steal your time, huh? My mom's going to, she keeps on trying to FaceTime me and I have to cancel it. <laughs> and my roommate so like, just came home. Damn, Yo, he's been our blading too. We were blading together. Damn, that's awesome. He got a clip. Awesome. He, got his, awesome. he got his first ever clip today. Like he's never ever got like a proper clip. And he got a clip for David today. I'm no not way. Gonna I'm not going to ruin it for you guys. You're going to watch the video maybe. Maybe, but maybe. Dude, I really can't wait to see. And like, um, yeah, so with that being said, like you, you, you travel like in a lot of different places and like from South America to, of course, United States and then all over the Europe. Um, this one might be like a tough one, which is like one of the most memorable places you've been to. Peru was obviously off the charts because it was just so different to what I'm used to in terms of a cultural experience, like culturally going a place like Peru, especially where we went in Peru, the altitude, the, the spots we were met with and the reception our blading had, or the, the reception our blading got from the people there was quite impactful because it wasn't, you know, there's a lot of the countries you visit are familiar with rollerblading or they've seen rollerblading in some form because it's in Europe or America or, or something. And although they've maybe not seen somebody rollerblade like that, they've seen rollerblades before and they probably know of the existence of a rollerblade. Whereas I felt like in Peru, it was seriously something like they'd never seen before. And it was, wow. uh, and you know, we were like, I think 3,600 meters above sea level. So I guess it was like quite tough to skate, right? Yeah, it was, I mean, to begin with, the first, I arrived one day before everyone else and you get altitude sickness. And I had like, I felt like my brain was touching my skull, like, like pressing against it. It felt so, um, you know, there was a lot of pressure because there, and um, not enough oxygen. And then in the, the, the local remedy and the, what's seen as the local medicine is chewing cocoa leaves or making tea with cocoa leaves, which is what you make the cocaine plant, um, obviously from. But I mean, you need, you need 60 grams of cocoa leaves to make one gram of cocaine. So it's not like you're okay. walking around all, all wired up. It just, it helps with the, it helps with the sort of um, symptoms of altitude sickness. But, the pressure in the brain and stuff. Yeah, but definitely like when you've done three tries of something at a skate spot, you seriously, it felt like you'd done 20 tries and you felt like you were on the, the end of your, you know, sort of um, efforts. And uh, when you were walking back up the stairs, you know, you could just, you would just feel like, oh, I can't do it anymore. But, you know, it, it worked out and we, you, you adapt to it, you know, after four days or something, you're feeling more used to it. But we were, Bina, he, he was the one who kind of organized the trip and he got us at Airbnb and uh, like where we were was in a valley, you know, so it was like that on either side and like the city's down here in the middle. And we had this Airbnb right at the top of the valley. So every day we'd go down into the valley for breakfast and then skate like up and down the valley, kind of finding spots. And then at the end of the day, we, first few days, we walked all the way back up to the apartment. Oh my goodness. Like, 
but then we found out how cheap it was to get a taxi to the top so once we found out how to pronounce the name of where we lived in spanish we were just getting taxis <laughs> all the all the way to the top yeah so uh, peru was I, like I think one i would of... answer your question i think i would answer your question that peru was probably the most eye opening place to go skate wise but there's been some other places that I've gone to that have been the most like nostalgic or they've they've matched up with memories that are they've matched up with um you know you spend your younger years in blading watching videos and admiring these people you see in the videos doing certain tricks on certain spots and to find yourself one day at these spots looking at these spots that you've seen people do certain tricks on is quite a special feeling i think it's kind of maybe like an art uh, somebody who's looked at a Picasso piece in a book finally standing in front of the original piece in the gallery or something like that or at the artist's home or something it, it's like you because some spots you you see someone do a trick and you you're not able to acknowledge the true like uh skill of the trick or whatever or how crazy the trick was because you've not been to the spot but once you go to a spot it really puts it into perspective sometimes and can blow your mind great we do, we do have a question from Queenie, actually from Carolina. And she asked, um, how has your skating evolved since moving to Copenhagen? I like that question. It's a good question. That's Carolina, not, uh, for someone not being a blader, that's a nice question. Um, I think that my skating has actually evolved quite a lot since moving here. And, uh, I can see that in my own skating, like I can, I can witness it in my own skating and the way that I've come to feel about blading. I think generally, I don't know if it's just because of moving to Copenhagen or if it's because of my age, because I don't know if I was living somewhere else, if I would feel this way as well, because I think that I'm now 22 and, you know, my body has kind of like gone through its full development and I'm like feeling pretty strong in my like skates. And, uh, you know, that helps you to feel more confident in certain tricks and just your approach. You know, you can come on a lot stronger in your approach because you know what you're capable of. And that can help you to push your skating when you know when you know what you're working with, like in terms of your. But also, I think that I would I would say. That being around the people I've been around here has been the biggest influence and the, the architecture and the the vibe of Copenhagen as a city, the, the what there is, the people and the the way it feels to be in the out in the streets with a crew, and uh, yeah, the, the way that the city's designed, that that kind of I feel really hands itself to skating. Um, but you know, filming with David has been one of the most transformational things for me in terms of the way I perceive my skating, because David is an absolute perfectionist and an artist and a just a genius with what he does on skates and off skates, the way he can use the fisheye and the way he films is something I really have always admired. Way, and I, I've known David for years, but I haven't been able to call him my friend until I moved to Copenhagen. And I really think since moving to Copenhagen, being able to call him my friend and work together with him to try to bring out the best in my skating, I, I can't really, I can't really say, I can't put into words how much that's been able to help me because, you know, he, him just saying one more, hey, try this, why don't we want, maybe figure this out or drop that or it's, it's helped me to critique my skating in a new way and also just let it flow and 
come out in a different way. Um, so obviously, Quinny living here is also amazing too because he's also from Scotland. We can share that. Like, we both know we're from the same place with a certain humor, and we can <laughs> comment comment on what it's like to be a somebody who's not from Denmark living in Denmark in a in a funny way. <laughs> now all the locals here who, who may, maybe some of them are in this chat I don't know but like Freddie, Pale, Christian the list goes on I'm not gonna like once again I'm not gonna start saying names because I just people out but you all know who you are and you've just been a big influence in my time here in Copenhagen so far I mean this June I've been living here for three years wow it's so crazy man uh, dude like here I, I, I moved here when I was 19 Damn. I loved Copenhagen, man. Like, when we met there last summer at the Blade Days, man, like, I never felt like um move to another country because I do love my country. You know, like, Italy, for me, it's the best place to be. But, like, when that's I went fun, to that's Copenhagen... That's very Italian of you to say. <laughs> but then, like, when I went to Copenhagen, man, again, just like you were saying, the respect that the government has for you know for the the, the 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 mothers or like for the parents in general how the the the, the city looks like and how it has been developed within the water architecture and stuff like that it made me think man like maybe i could move down up there in copenhagen one day because it looks like a place a really a really cool place to, to go I think and I, yeah no go ahead go ahead i'm sorry i think i think that it's really interesting with Denmark, the, the way I feel it functions when you're out in the streets and when you're when you live here for a certain amount of time and you start to know your way around the city and, and you start to notice people in the streets and you're, they're not your friends, but you see the same people in the same places and all that. In that way, it functions like a town. It's like it's got this feeling of being small, even though it's one of the major European cities and it's on the tourist map and it's like known for its design and known for certain things and Denmark's quite famous in terms of European countries. It's still got this um, smallness and and uh, I feel like it doesn't get out of hand for me. Like I feel like I have it in my hand kind of, if that makes sense. I feel like I'm able to yeah. get close to Copenhagen and get to know it and have a personal relationship with this city and the people that live here and everything. And I, I think that's quite a special thing here. And it's something that I haven't found or been able to feel in the same way in other cities, in other countries in Europe, there is sure places that I'm sure could give you the same feeling and have that sort of um, contact where you can feel like you're in contact with the place you live. But, you know, some places are definitely like a city like London. It's just a bewildering. Massive. Amount. Yeah, massive. And just like you, even in Copenhagen, you can cross the whole city in 30 minutes on a bicycle and get anywhere. Mm -hmm. and you feel like you're able to just go around. And if your friend yeah, said he's on the other side of the city, you wouldn't think like that's stressful. You don't have to go there on Metro. You can just cycle over there. And if in London, if somebody's living on another suburb, it's like, you know, it's a world away. <laughs> I'll see you next year. <laughs> yeah. So like, we do have like a question from, from Bruce. I do think this one is um, also like a, a tough one. Um, Bruce says, I remember you went through a phase of looking for recommendation for all videos, media to watch. Was there any video you came across from before you started that blew your mind and why? To be honest, uh, the video Hidden Forces I'd never seen before. It, it kind of uh, came to me as a surprise because I it was spots I knew. There was spots in there that I've been to and stuff and I I didn't even know there was a history of people skating those spots. I didn't even know that spot had been skated before. 
Also, maybe there's some spots that back in the day used to be this spot, but by the time I started blading, people were already bored of it. So when I found that spot, I thought it was like a new spot because I've never seen someone <laughs> hitting it. But then maybe it's actually got like a whole history before I even was came into blading. So mm. I think the courses was a good one. I also really enjoyed the early VG videos because I hadn't seen them before. And uh, I think that Arlo Eisenberg is one of the most eloquently spoken people about rollerblading there has been almost. I think he's in, definitely in the top 10 of, or even maybe five of, in terms of how he was able to speak about blading and, and, and uh, describe what rollerblading as a culture, as an act, as a sport, as a practice or whatever you want to call it, the way he was able to like articulate that and put it into words and uh, and kind of um, to help other people understand what it's maybe like to to be in the community of like rollerblading or whatever. Awesome, awesome. That's pretty cool. So, like, with that being said, like, um, uh, there are like two questions, but like, I do think that like, this one might be like um, needs like more than like all of this time. Like, what does it mean? Because because like, what I remember like watching you skating at the Winter Clash. I've been there like for 14 time like this year was my 14th winter clash so i saw you i actually saw you like growing up through the years at the winter clash and i always see you within like uh, this super amount of energy and super passion about skating and like what does it mean to you the word playing mm. like everything <laughs> i mean it, <laughs> I, i i i mean rollerblading is like really all in, in a lot of ways i don't feel this is not me saying this in a way that i feel like uh sad about this or or that it makes me feel trapped in any sense but in a way rollerblading is everything to me at this current period in my life and up until now it has been like a, a journey i've been on and i didn't really focus at school you know and i found skating when i was eight years old And I, I'd never stuck with anything. I, I used to, tr I tried everything. I tried swimming. I was in the swimming club. I tried rugby, football, blah, 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 blah. All the list goes on. My mom and dad tried everything. And when I tried skating, it just stuck and I just caught on the wheel and I just kept on turning and turning. And I'm like, I still started skating until now. And, um, you know, as I've got older and started to observe, the, started to think about what I want in my life truly and what, what values I, I have and the person I want to be or the, the things I want to do, then blading comes in more and more and sinks in stronger, like deeper, really. And I have a great like appreciation for what the, the places rollerblades take me and, and uh, as a, as a, it's my means of creativity. It's, it's, it's my main source of expression really beyond speaking. <laughs> um, But I, I'm always on the lookout for other things to come about. I'm always on the lookout for things that are more than blading. I always try to imagine myself as something more than a rollerblader. But it seems to be that I can never find myself able to do anything other than just be a blader at the moment, really. So, like, I mean, that's cool. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I don't have an education at the moment. I don't, I don't like study, and I, I just work my job just so I have money. But really, all my focus and all my thinking time and my research and even goes into blading. I just, I bl at the moment, this whole quarantine, I've bladed almost every day, the whole quarantine, I blade all the time. I've been blading a lot. Damn lucky. 
Lucky you. My, my my roommate is a my roommate's also she moved he moved in at the start of March and he also blades and it's, now we've got this little blade house going, and I hope we're gonna make some projects together and like start to film some videos and stuff, and yeah I mean I really yeah I think rollerblading is one of the I, I'm I don't I'm gonna start saying something cheesy like rollerblading is one of the best <laughs> things in the world. <laughs> No, no, but like what you said, like really says a lot. So yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I and like you did. Kind of speaks for itself. The fact that I'm still rollerblading this, this after this long su suggests what it means to me. Awesome. You know, I, um, I'm going to keep on doing it. I'm not going to be. This is not my final. Uh, this blading chat isn't my like goodbye or anything. <laughs> Come on. So hey, we did like one last question for our good friend Greg from. Uh, Long Beach, Copenhagen. He says, like, um, in Malta, that drop to roll was the scariest trick I ever seen in person. Do you think that's still on your top tricks you've done? Definitely that one was a scary one, but at the same time, I felt like it was right there, and I just, I, I could see it, and I perceived it, and I could see that it was possible, and I dropped off it first without rolling towards it and gapping over, and I felt like I had it, and I just felt focused and did it and so that Man, one was it came, came with less danger because i didn't i didn't think about the danger i just felt like i had it but in the, actually one of the scariest tricks i've ever done, especially that i've ever done in the last few years and recently was the disaster topsoil i didn't maybe some people haven't seen that yet but greg actually posted a clip of it on instagram the one that i did in tenerife dude that was the scariest shit ever i was looking at that I was standing looking at that rail and I was just thinking like it was the last day of the trip and I was just thinking like every either I've got this or I just I really am gonna fuck myself up like I'm it, I, I had to really like I had it because I, I could only imagine really two options it was either that I landed at first try or a disaster splitted the rail and then was going so fast that I would get sent to the floor and crack like an egg and <laughs> it was so hot that I would probably start sizzling you know <laughs> But I, I did it, and I'm, yeah, that was some scary shit. And I like, I was almost stressed afterwards. Like for an hour afterwards in the car, I was like feeling anxious, almost like. <sighs> dude, that was that was unbelievable. It's not something and I Mark, do every day. Dude, and Mark and Bina, they cut it and film it like in a perfect way. So. Yeah, it was nice. It was uh, and the crew was smaller at that point, but that was that was like a, in terms of chasing after a feeling. That was a that was a pretty strong rush, but I mean I don't like to usually I don't usually like to gamble so with so many like so high I don't usually like to put so many chips on the table I usually just kind of you know I don't not play it safe but I mean I I don't feel the need to jump off roofs to feel satisfaction in rollerblading but I just felt it there and the the energy was right and I seen the trick. I went down the street while they, they were filming another trick and I was bored of the spot they were skating. And I went down the back to get a snack from like the bakery or something. And I seen this spot and I was like, oh. Yeah. And then I, I, you know, when, then I said, there's a certain feeling that comes when, when you tell the crew, you go back and tell the crew that you found a spot, it puts the pressure on because that's you telling yeah. them, that's you telling them that you've seen something and like, if they don't want to do it, you're obviously saying that you want to do it. So it's a little bit like, <laughs> But we got there and they were kind of looking at the spot and Bino was like, you know, if you don't want to do it, like you like only do it if you really feel it. Because they weren't pushing me. They were like, they were almost like trying to like be like, just 
make sure you feel like you want this one because you know it could obviously the coin could land two ways you know but yeah i'd say that one was probably the scariest yeah and the one was crazy so done with that uh with that being said it's already like uh 45 minutes so Have we been do really... for 45 minutes? yeah man time flies when you're having fun huh Dude, i could i could just go on speaking man i was I was so I was almost nervous before you started calling me because I was sitting here and I was like because I missed the last one I was like oh. <laughs> no, it's it's all good dog thank you so much for thank you so much it's for your time cool. I just want to be like a great chat it's cool. it's cool what you're doing here Jason and I think you should oh. keep on doing it beyond beyond quarantine maybe you're going to be more busy with work and you probably aren't going to be able to give I don't know four or five minutes a day but I think it's thank it's you cool. so much it's nice to see your smiley face on the on the screen <laughs> often. No, no, thank you so much. Hosted me in his house before, and he's a lovely guest. He's a lovely host. <laughs> so, like, I'm looking forward to see you here again, huh? You have to yeah, come I'm back here when the quarantine's over. Maybe we can get a little pizza trip going, dude. Come and eat. I, I, I'm planning to. I was planning actually to 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 come up there with Federica and and maybe Gabriel in Copenhagen. But yeah, we will see what is going on with these, uh, with these. Um, Bring Gabriel. Uh, cool. Your Gabriel's brother is a really good skater. He's got a very okay. nice style, and Jason's obviously a very good skater too. No. <laughs> thank you so much, Dominic. Do I really appreciate it, all the things that you said. So, Bombers, thank you so much. Peace. Bombers. Say, Bombers. say hi to say hi to Clara, and I'm looking forward to see you soon. Okay. Yeah. Stay, stay safe. Say hi to Federica, and give the cats a little. They're they're sleeping, of course. Thank you so much, Dom. Peace. Ciao. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Blading Chats.